morning to everybody. Episode 36, we're going to bring the heat on episode 36. Got a ton of shit to talk about. We might as well get started. Hey, Trump wins Iowa. Trump wins New Hampshire. He's 2-0. and But before we get to that, I've got to put a period. I, I, I promise you, this will be the last time for a while that I talk about my beloved Washington Huskies, but I've got to put a period at the end of their season. I've got to put my thoughts on what just has happened in Montlake. The Huskies hired Jed Fish, the head coach of the Arizona Wildcats. Jed Fish seems like a great hire. Jed Fish has been all over college football. He's been all over the pro ranks. He's coached with a bunch of great NFL coaches. The guy looks like a great hire. Okay. He appears that he has not brought in Fafita, the quarterback from Arizona, McMillan, the receiver. He gets the stud running back, Jonah Coleman. So I'm a little confused if he's so doggone great. How come he couldn't bring a couple of those guys with him? I know the portal opens and closes, kind of like Mrs. Perrigan's home for peculiar children. There's a there, there's there's this portal that opens and closes, and uh, it's coming again. Maybe Fish can get these guys, but here I, I'm ranting on Fish, and 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 I hope I'm wrong on this. I hope he is a home run hire. I hope he stays a long time and doesn't bolt for the NFL or Florida if uh, he has a, a done a, a fine job at the University of Washington, but here, here's my take. Troy Dannon is the athletic director for the University of Washington. And pre-Thanksgiving, Troy Dannon said, he said, said so himself, he had a bad feeling about Kalen DeBoer, okay? And so if I was Troy Dannon, part of what makes Kalen DeBoer Kalen DeBoer is his offensive coordinator and his, you know, his Robin, Ryan Grubb. Husky Nation, and, and, and I know a lot of you. Hell, you know, I, I'm part of you. If I was Troy Dan in the University of Washington, I would have had a press conference for Ryan Grubb before Kalen DeBoer could clean out his fucking office. I would have let every Husky know before they entered the portal, this is our guy. What made us special these last two years is still here in some respects. Is still here. So... Kalen DeBoer, the wheels wouldn't have been up. He'd have been on the damn tarmac, and Ryan Grubb would have already been introduced as the head coach. Now, if I'm an Alabama fan and I get Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer, that's a bonus. I would be telling Alabama fans, if you don't get Ryan Grubb, I believe they've gotten Ryan Grubb as their offensive coordinator. If you don't get Ryan Grubb, there's a piece of Kalen DeBoer there missing. And so I know... Husky Nation, you know, the the powers that be at Montlake are pro- have probably got this this you know this this syndrome, you know, they they feel like they got battered with Jimmy Lake, a former assistant who was a can't miss hire and it was it was it was all miss. It was all miss. So maybe they were worried about that. I've heard rumblings of that. I haven't heard Troy Dannon just say, "Hey, this is why I did not want Ryan Grubb." Nick the American wanted Ryan Grubb. I think a lot of Husky players would still be on the football team. Hell, we don't even have an offensive line right now. It's kind of like the Dr. Portal, the, excuse me, the Dr. Portal commercial, the Dr. Pepper commercial. Oh, no, not a quarterback. A defensive line. We need them. It's just, yeah, whatever. So, anyways, I'm losing my train of thought. Sorry. 
enough. I hope I'm wrong about Jedfish. I hope Ryan Grubb goes and knocks it out at Alabama and Kalen DeBoer. I really do. I really do. Those guys are great. They were great for the program. But I wanted Ryan Grubb. I didn't want Jedfish. That doesn't mean Jedfish isn't going to be better than Ryan Grubb. I don't know shit. I don't know shit. That's just my gut as a Husky fan. So, okay, let's move on. Trump just won New Hampshire last night by 12 percentage points. And for all intensive purposes, you have to believe that the Republican primary is over. Now, Nikki Haley is still going to have a few things to say uh, uh, about the future of the Republican Party. Will she continue? And if she does, is she going to seems like she's found her footing a little bit with Don's too old. He's a narcissist. He's just not in his prime anymore. He slipped. We all know that to be true. We know that of Biden. We've got an 81 year old, you know, incumbent president. We've got a 78 year old Donald Trump who's running for the third time. We know that Nikki Haley has the opportunity here to either lay down her arms and, and, and fall in line like Ron DeSantos did, or she can cause some trouble. Now, think about this. She's lost both states, Iowa and New Hampshire. Look how venomous Trump is. He should just be sweet to her. His whole goal should be picking up Nikki Haley voters. She got like 130,000 votes in New Hampshire, okay? He got like 165,000. A lot of people didn't vote for Trump. And when you wake up and watch Fox and Friends this morning, you'll see there's a Fox News poll saying 35% of New Hampshire Republicans will not vote for Trump. They won't do it. Now, New Hampshire is a little bit different of a state. It's not, it's got Johnson and New, a Republican governor in the state of New Hampshire. Tons of independents, tons of. I don't know, I guess I'd call them liberal conservatives, Republicans, but a little bit more lenient, a little bit more liberal. Lenient was the wrong word, okay? So I, I, if Haley can't win in New Hampshire, where is she going to win? Which, you know, for all intents and purposes, means the election's over. I believe South Carolina is the next state in line. This is Nikki Haley's home state, Okay. I'm looking at polling, and I'm not looking at one poll, and we'll get into this one poll shit. I'm not looking at one poll. I'm not looking at two polls. I'm looking at like 10 different polls in the state of South Carolina that have got her anywhere from 20 to 40 points down, okay? She's going to get embarrassed in her home state. If you can't win New Hampshire, I'm not sure Nikki Haley can beat Trump anywhere. Now, maybe she's got momentum. Maybe maybe she's got moment, some, some momentum out of this because it was somewhat close. If, if you call 12 percentage points close, it's not close in the big scheme of things. But when you dissect, hell, she got 130,000 votes, and 35% of those people are saying, I'm not voting for Trump under any circumstance, you may have a problem not just in New Hampshire but nationally. In, in states like Arizona and Georgia, that if you're Trump, you absolutely have to win. So, uh, you know, my question for Nikki Haley is, what, what does your future look like? I think we saw Ron DeSantos spend, what, $53 million? $53 million, ladies and gentlemen, to get 23,000 votes in the state of Iowa. 
and then boom, drop out of the race and go kiss the ring. Go kiss Don, Donald Trump's ring. He wants to be governor of the state of Florida. He is the governor of the state of Florida. Trump also calls Florida his home state. And Ron DeSantis knows if he's interested in a political future in the Republican Party, he probably shouldn't cross the king. So he fell in line. He fell in line even though this man tried to equate him to uh, child grooming, showed pictures of him with teenage girls when he was younger, um, called him a child groomer. If And I know politics gets nasty in a primary. I understand that. But if someone called you a child groomer, you, I, I don't know how you would ever fall in line and support that motherfucker. Like Ted Cruz, someone insults your wife, someone says that your dad was involved in killing Kennedy, says you're not eligible to run to vote. These are things that cross the line. When Trump was with John McCain, his heroes don't get captured. Shit, that's crossing the line. And, and, and good on John McCain. Good on John McCain. As we've pointed out, if Trump just could have made right with John McCain, he probably gets Obamacare at least repealed. He gets it repealed. He couldn't. He had to insult him in the worst way possible that you just don't do. You cross the line and then never apologize for it. So if Nikki Haley is not obsessed with her future, oh, I, she's been governor of South Carolina. Maybe her political career is over. Maybe she's going to go be a consultant or a lobbyist. Who knows? It's, it's, it's a lot more lucrative, I hear. But if she if she's not tied to an, an a potential office in the in in the grand old party then she's free to say whatever she wants and maybe she should have probably gone after trump's mental capacity months and months ago when i first announced her as a candidate for president she's been running i think longer than anybody she should have gone after his mental capacity now i think it was a fool's errand i don't think you can beat the king in in today's gop with 35% of the party identifying themselves as MAGA. That is a tough hill to climb. So, but what does Nikki Haley want? I, I, I listened to Marjorie Taylor Greene. I listened to some Republicans. They can't stand Nikki Haley anymore. If, if you're a Republican and you go against Trump, uh, you could have been on his team for a while, then you go against Trump, then automatically you're part of the government establishment trying to wreck Trump, and Trump's the anti-establishment candidate who's trying to tear it all down. And I understand why people found that appealing. Nikki Haley's not the establishment, or maybe she is the establishment, but so is Donald Trump. You know, anybody you know, pointing fingers and saying, you're the establishment, you're the establishment, it's, it, it's probably all bullshit. So, but, uh, so Trump wins by 12%. But he does he have an issue going forward? What independents are going to vote for him? What moderate Republicans are going to vote for him? Now, you've heard me over and over bash on Joe Biden, saying I do not want him to run. I do not want him to run. The reason why, you know, besides his age, his age, I don't want Trump to be president. And I fear that Joe Biden is the only guy that Trump could potentially beat. Now, you've also heard me say, put a gun to my head, Biden will beat Trump. He beat him last time by 7.2 million votes, flipped seven states on him. He will probably beat him again. And I would caution everybody on any sort of polling 
with regards to Trump and Biden until it's just Trump and Biden. Because I know, I know, I don't, I don't want to engage in a Democratic poll of who you're voting for, you know, blah, blah, blah. I will hold my nose and vote for Biden if Trump is the nominee. But I want a different candidate. I want a different candidate. And so, and we're going to talk about this more and more as the months go on as we lead up to November. But polling data, polling data, how do we read it? What's important? What's noise? What's bullshit? And what's real? give you an example. We saw right before New Hampshire, like a Pew Research, American Research, Suffolk poll. I, I forget which poll it was. But Donald Trump was 48%. Nikki Haley was 46%. It was a shock poll on the Drudge Report. And people see that and go, oh, wow, the race is super tight. Well, if you would have looked at all of the polling within respected dates, and I did, Go to 538.com. It is a great resource for polling data. And if you really want to get your thumb on where the election, where, where a primary is going, where a race is going, 538 is, a, is an amazing resource. I don't know if Nate Silver still runs it. If he sold it off and, and is no longer a part of it, I forget. But I enjoy reading 538. So there's one poll that's got Nikki Haley within two points. And you're like, holy shit. Whoa. Then you look at the other 12 polls that were conducted between January 18th and January 21st, and you see anywhere from 11 points to 25 points. And there's a million different polls. And actually, 538 will even later on, they'll grade these polls. They'll give these pollsters grades, how they conduct their polls, the you know how big is the pool size, when the poll was taken, is it cell phones, landlines? There's a lot of things that go into getting, you know, some some poll some pollsters, some polling companies get A's, some get D's because they're always wrong. So it is important not to look at one poll. One poll that shows Nikki Haley's only down by two points in New Hampshire. Guess what? She lost by 12. That poll was the outlier. The outlier. So you need polls. Now, an outlying poll could be a sign of things to come. You need to watch multiple polls in the coming months. Was that poll an outlier or was, was that poll actually on to something? A change, a shift. Maybe maybe that two percentage point poll that had Nikki Haley behind was on to something because there were polls that were had Trump up by 20, 25 points. Well, he won by 12. There were also polls that had 10, 11, 12. The average was like 17. So Haley closed a little bit in the liberal state of New Hampshire when it comes to conservatives. Okay, Conservatives tend to be a little bit more liberal there. And like I said, if she's not going to win in New Hampshire, she's probably not going to win anywhere. But make sure when you see a poll, you want to see multiple polls kind of backing up what, what, what that one shock poll or outlying poll is saying. And oftentimes it doesn't. So try to block out the noise. Try to figure out what's real. And Nikki Haley winning New Hampshire was never real. It was never real. Okay. Now she's garnered enough votes to cause all sorts of problems. Especially if she doesn't give a shit about her political future. And she is going to say, you know what? I'm going to be in it for the next seven states. And Trump can't help himself. 
he should be laughing off Nikki Haley. He should actually be very nice to her. He should be courting her voters. The longer she stays in, he should be trying to be nice and court. He shouldn't be nasty and narcissistic and vile. But we know Eris Targaryen knows no other way. He knows no other way. So, you know, I've been tough on Biden. I've been tough on Biden. I've told you I don't think he's a bad dude. And I know a lot of Republicans disagree with me on that, with the Biden crime family. And I've been repeatedly asking, please, Republican House, prove that this Biden crime family is uh, reminiscent of the Sopranos. And, boy, we can, we can have a new candidate really fast. Biden scares me. Obviously, his age scares me. I, I just don't think we need senior citizens in the White House. But what scares me is he's just the one guy that could lose to Trump. I don't. Th- Trump can't beat anybody on the Democratic side, I don't believe. But maybe Biden and Kamala. Maybe those two. Those are the people he can beat. And so I'm here to announce breaking news. Breaking news. Joe Biden has agreed to step down as your incumbent president. He will not seek a second term. I'm just breaking this news. I'm just breaking this news. The Democratic National Committee has asked me to announce. They they were so excited. They, they, They heard me do the announcement for the Republican candidates many months ago. They want Jamie Harrison and the DNC want me to do it for the Democrats. So here we go. Cue the Bulls music, baby. All right. He hails from the great state of Maryland. This man is a military combat veteran. He's an author. He's a stockbroker. He is your governor of the state of Maryland. His name is Wes Moore. Moore. He hails from the great state of California. He points out this state has no peers when it comes to our union. The former husband of Kimberly Guilfoyle. Some people call him the liberal Gavin Newsom. I'll just call him Gavin Newsom. The governor of the state of California. Gavin Newsom will be running for president. He will be at the Democratic National Convention running for president. Gavin Newsom, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, she's the governor of Michigan. She had some wackos try to kill her months and months. God, a couple of years ago. Didn't like her. She's the only woman running for president. Her name is Gretchen Whitmer. Maybe we need a woman. Whitmer! Maybe we need a woman to better articulate this pro-choice stance, this anti-abortion stance that we have in our country. Maybe it's good for a woman to step up and be president. Very impressive, Gretchen Whitmer. You guys know him as Fox, Fox's favorite liberal. Who gives a shit about his sexuality or who his partner is? He was the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Probably a huge fighting Irish fan. He's a military veteran of the Navy. Somebody once told me his his resume for how old he is. He's 42. Is too damn good. 
He's the current transportation secretary for the United States of America. He's Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg. 42 years old. Whitmer's 52. Newsom's 56. Roy Moore, excuse me, Wes Moore is 45. That'll be important in a minute. Now, getting a little south here, ladies and gentlemen. This man hasn't won the governorship in North Carolina once, but he's won it twice. He speaks as a voice of reason for both Republicans and Democrats because of the state he comes from. The man can set politics aside, and we know what happens when a Southern Republic, excuse me, Southern Democrat runs for president. They can win, and they can win big. Ladies and gentlemen, I talk about Roy Cooper. And last but not least, here's a young rising star at the age of 46. Not one time in Kentucky, but two times. He just did it a second time, winning by winning the state of Kentucky by six percentage points. This man will not engage in politics of hate. He's only looking for politics that, that, that have some, some unity on the bone. Some unity, baby! His name is Andy Bashir. Bashir. Now, Andy Bashir's 46, ladies and gentlemen. Roy Cooper, 66. Pete Buttigieg is 42. Gretchen Whitmer's 52. Gavin Newsom's 56. And Wes Moore is 45 years old. Joe Biden's 81. Donald Trump's 78. Do you think, here, I'm afraid that Biden's the one person that could lose to Trump. Trump would not debate any of these people. Roy Cooper is is the oldest at 66, and that looks like a spring chicken compared to Trump or Biden, okay? He's still got all his faculties. Everybody else is in their absolute mental primes. You got to believe, okay? Their mental primes. And so Joe Biden has agreed to step down. Is that real? Is that real? Are you just making that shit up, Nick? Because you, you're trying to will it into existence. Jamie Harrison, you are the head of the DNC. You should think of yourself as a general manager in football, and your job is to win. If you don't win, you will get fired. You need to pound the drums. The entire party needs to pound the drums. We've got a gift a little bit. 35% of New Hampshire Republicans say they don't want Trump. They will not vote for Trump. Well, let's make it an Obama-McCain-type landslide. Let's bring in one of these candidates to run for president, to go to the convention. I'm sure all of these candidates could go to the convention. They didn't have to do a primary. They didn't have to go fight each other, get out on the trail. That shit's hard. They'll be refreshed for the general. And I promise you, Trump will not engage with any of these people in a one-on-one -on -one debate because the contrast would look so great. I would have hated it if Nikki Haley was the nominee, the Republicans coalesced around her, and she's standing up there on the debate stage. And Joe Biden can't remember his fucking name. Hugs his wife and calls it his granddaughter. It wouldn't have been good. It wouldn't have been good. You've heard me talk about it. One night at the convention. 
Go and make your cases. Delegates, let's have fun. American people, let's watch with bated breath. And let's come up with a nominee that doesn't just beat Trump. It absolutely fucking whitewashes him. Face fucks him. Okay? He loses by 21 million votes. And you, you it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Trump lost by 21 million votes in the popular vote and got five more states flipped on him. He still would not accept defeat. So I beg the Democrats, please, if you want to flirt with the possibility of losing, then let's flirt with Joe Biden. If, if you want to flirt with the possibility of winning in a landslide, it's Westmore, it's Gretchen Whitmer, it's Pete Buttigieg, Andy Bashir, and Roy Cooper. And oh, I forget my boy Gavin Newsom. I think I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think I, who, who, who would you take right now, Nick? I'd actually want to hear him speak a little bit. All of them are really smart. I'm undecided. I am officially undecided. So if any pollster calls me and says who they want between Trump and Biden, I'm abstaining because right now I want someone else, please, in the name of unity. All right, let's get off politics for something and, get, and let's get a little bit serious here for a brief second. But you hear me talk about the United States of America and, and, and I liken it to a football team. This is our team. Well, we learned just this past couple of days that uh, our, our, our team got a little bit weaker. Uh, not for long, but, but for a moment for sure, as we lost two Navy SEALs in the Arabian Sea. They were on a special ops mission. In the Arabian Sea, there was a, a boat carrying Iranian weapons to the Houthi fighters in Yemen. We haven't talked about much about them, but we've been bombing them lately. They're involved in the, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. But we had two American heroes try in the pitch black and high, high, high rough seas try to board this boat carrying Iranian weapons to terrorists. One of the men slipped off the boat. Sounds like the other jumped in, and that was all she wrote. This was not a movie on Netflix, ladies and gentlemen. This was real shit. And our country is a little bit weaker because special operator second class Nathan Gage Ingram gave his life. And special operator first class Christopher S. Chambers gave his life. They're not red. They don't belong to red. They don't belong to blue. They are products of the greatest nation on the face of the earth. They're products of the United States of America. And those were, two, we talk about team members being a better team member. These were the best we have. The best we have to offer in this country. Special individuals. I talked about Army, Navy, the absolute selflessness of these individuals, these, these people who serve. Well, it was put with Nathan Gage Ingram and Christopher Chambers. It was put in real time, their selflessness. Do you think when, when one of them fell off the boat, do you think the other even thought for a second about going to save his brother? Where maybe 
regular civilians like you or me might might think twice about that. That's not how these American heroes are wired. And so I just want to express my gratitude to these two fallen soldiers, fallen team members of the United States of America. We lost two really good people, and it just absolutely guts me. It breaks my heart to think about this. So, Nathan Gage Ingram and Christopher S. Chambers, two Navy SEALs, two American badasses. Incredible team members. They made, they made America great. Okay. Well, well, it's, it's wrestling season. My oldest son is a wrestler. My youngest son, Brady's getting into wrestling. All right. I like it, but it is wrestling tournament time coming up, baby. And we're going to go to the King Co tournament. My son Carter is a junior one, uh, the King Co three, a league title last year. He's going to, going to try to defend his title and, and try to make it to state this year. But I tell you what, I just got to take my hat off to the wrestling community. And it is a largely, I would say it's 70% conservative. You go to wrestling tournaments and you see lots of Jesus shirts, lots of, you know, uh, let's go Brandon shirts, rough and tough group. But I love them. I love them. The wrestling coaches, their dedication is off the charts. You go to these tournaments. We were at a wrestling tournament a couple of weeks ago, and we were there. We showed up at 11. We were there till 8.30 for the finals, 8.30, and then the award ceremony. That's how long this shit lasts. My son was up at 5, on the bus at 6 at the school, weighing in at 7 at the tournament. He was there till 8.30, along with a million other wrestlers. They've got cots. They sleep They sleep on wood stands, these wrestlers, these females and male wrestlers. It's absolutely incredible. The commitment they show is absolutely, it, it, it's second to none, I think, in high school sports. <coughs> Excuse me, I've been sick for about 10 weeks. I'm trying to, trying to cope with it. I'm just learning to live with it. But these wrestlers' commitments is, are second to none. And I'm a football coach. I, I don't know shit about wrestling. I've been learning. My oldest has been wrestling for seven years, but I've just come to admire everybody involved in wrestling. And if you've ever been to a wrestling state tournament, ours is in the Tacoma Dome in Washington State. I swear to you, Garth Brooks, Taylor Swift could play in, in, in the Tacoma Dome, and I'm not sure you could pack more people than they pack for a wrestling tournament. You go up and get a slice of pizza at the concession line, it takes you 20 minutes, and when you get there, they say, yeah, you got here. Uh, they, they take your phone number, and they'll text you when your pizza's ready. It'll be about 15 minutes. The fire code has to be just completely obliterated at the state tournament for wrestling. So I'm super excited. My son is going to try to repeat. His, Carter's going to try to repeat as Kinko champ. And then we go to Spokane for regionals, which is – how you qualify to become a state qualifier. Okay. Now, wrestling is one fucking dangerous sport. I'm telling you what. Carter's popped his shoulder out, his knee out. He's broke his wrist. I don't know if he's got a concussion or not. If you go down the line of all these different wrestlers, concussion, 
separated shoulder, torn ligament, another concussion. It is a dangerous-ass sport. Should we ban wrestling? And if we're going to ban youth football and youth wrestling, shouldn't we ban hockey too? Let's get rid of hockey. Youth boxing has to go. It has to go. Maybe even lacrosse is too damn violent. We've got to protect our youth. And, and, and I'm aware of that. And these sports have gotten safer and safer and safer. But I'll tell you what. Anybody in California, any liberal politician in California, any conservative, any politician who wants to protect kids by banning sports, you're going to have a backlash in this country, a revolt in this country from all sides, left, right, independent. It doesn't matter. The benefits that my son has received from the sport of wrestling, the violent sport of wrestling, are, are incredible. There are just too many to name. This kid can overcome anything, anything, after committing to wrestling. I, I, I say the same thing about football. I'm sure the same thing. I've never played hockey, but holy shit. You know, guy, look at the NHL, 72 games in a 82 games, I think, believe, excuse me, 82 games in a season. Are you kidding me? As physical as that sport is. But I just wanted to highlight how special the wrestling community is. Along with the football community and the hockey community and, and whatever other violent sport someone wants to ban is. All of the benefits that everybody receives by playing these sports. Wrestling is a choice. It is a choice that most kids can't commit to because they're not willing to work that fucking hard. Same thing with football. Same thing with hockey. We are for choice in this country. We don't take it away. So, hey, let's go, Carter. Let's go, dude. Lock in. Let's go win the Kinko for a second time. And then... uh your mom and your dad and your brothers and your sister will pack in a car and we will we will take the family truckster east to Spokane and we will root your ass on. And uh, I know you want to be a state qualifier more than anything. So so does your mother and your father. We want that for you too. We, we, we want that for you too, son. Um, but no matter what happens, I love you. I'm proud of you. Now... Do what Adrian, you know, what, what did Adrian say to Rocky when she came out of the coma? She said, win. Carter, go win. All right. Enough of wrestling talk. Enough of wrestling talk. You know, my wife watches all these different shows. She's always, you know, on Sundays, she's like binge watching shows. She's trying to get me involved in certain shows. And you might be having cocktail hour with a bunch of, you know, friends or couples that you haven't seen in a while and oh you've got to watch this show or oh you've got to watch this show and yeah yeah i did only have so much time in the day but boy you watch a lot of shows my goodness my wife is one of those people she watches a lot of shows and she drags me into some we just got done watching the uh bridgerton sequel queen charlotte and bridgerton and queen charlotte are not something that nick the american would it's not his cup of tea but i thoroughly enjoyed both of them thought they were very well done and very amusing but uh I'm going to give you a show you should watch. It's called Life on Our Planet, and it's on Netflix, and it's hosted, it's narrated by Morgan Freeman. 
and it basically takes us back 4.6 billion years when the that's how old our planet is that's how we how old we believe our planet is and talking about when there was no life in the ocean but single-celled organisms or plankton and how life began from from that we had four or five catastrophic events over the course of the earth's lifetime that ended life on earth as we know it including the big bang the asteroid that came in and and killed all the dinosaurs they talk about dynasties species that created a dynasty and dominated the earth like we do today like humans do today we haven't dominated the earth for very long a couple hundred thousand years dinosaurs for millions of years sharks are arguably the lar- the longest reigning dynasty in the history of our planet dinosaurs are second so and 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 actually when you watch it and I don't want to get too political I'm not going to get political here but you know hey you if you're a conservative and you say well geez there's these catastrophic events that happened that no amount of of you know greenhouse emissions or or you know how, how much you invest in our planet is going to save us from some sort of catastrophic event like that and you might have a point it makes you think it makes you think as a liberal it makes you think as a conservative it makes you think as as a scientist it makes you think as someone uh, this earth is so damn old it has killed itself and then rehealed itself over millions and millions of years. And so if you're looking for a change of pace in shows, watch Life on Our Planet on Netflix by Morgan Freeman. Okay. I think you'll enjoy it. All right. NFL playoffs time. Not gonna get into all the matchups and you know all this bullshit, but I want to highlight a few things. One, the Detroit Lions, America's team. Who is it? Go Lions at this point. Go Dan Campbell at this point. I am. Let's go. You know, I have a silver lab. Me and my uh, middle son, Spencer. His name is Fletcher. We call him the Fuss. We call him the Fuss. That's what we call him. We, we give him his own name, right, Fuss? But the thing about Fletch, Fletcher, we, we, we kind of butcher his name. Me and Spencer over the course of time, for several years, years, we're this huge, huge Bronco fans. Fletcher's silver. And so we turned him into a Lion fan. He's, he's a silver lab, but we turned him into this, this fictional Detroit Lions fan with his own voice. Fuss love the Lions. Gee, they fuss us. You know, Jared Goff always getting screwed. That's what Fuss says. So we give our dog this name. He turned him into the Lions fan. So our dog is all fired up. We've been, we've been pumping him up for years. He's this, this Lions fan. And so Fletcher's super excited. But... What's cool about the Lions on top of Dan Campbell and they've never been to a real Super Bowl. I think they won it in 1957, long before the Super Bowl was a thing. Well, not long, but before the Super Bowl was a thing. I want to highlight Jared Goff. Number one overall pick out of Cal. Goes to the Rams, lights it up, takes him to a Super Bowl, doesn't play well in the Super Bowl. And then, I don't know, fuddles around for a couple of years. Sean McVay thinks that, you know, they need an upgraded quarterback. And they go grab the Lions signal caller, Matt Stafford, and win a Super Bowl. Jared Goff is, is discarded. Well, the Lions, it was, it was a swap. 
Goff for Stafford. And Jared Goff is one win away, one Sunday football win away from taking not one team, but a second team to the Super Bowl. I looked it up. Craig Morton's done it. Um, Kurt Warner's done it. Peyton Manning's done it. And most recently, recently, Tom Brady's done it. Jared Goff could be the fifth guy ever in the history of the sport. The castaway, not good enough to play for Sean McVay, could take two teams to the Super Bowl. So, man, I am rooting my ass off for Jared Goff. I am rooting my ass off for him. I'm also rooting my ass off for Lamar Jackson. He looks like he could be on the cusp of winning his second MVP award in six years for the guy that was drafted at the very end of the first round. It's not like I'm a huge Lamar fan. I wish the Broncos would have drafted him. I enjoy watching him. But I am rooting for Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens a lot because I do not want Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in the fucking Super Bowl. Okay? I'm a Denver Bronco fan. I don't like the Chiefs. I don't dislike Pat Mahomes. There's not a lot to dislike about him. I think he's great. He's obviously an amazing football player. But as a Bronco fan, I am done seeing the damn Chiefs in the Super Bowl and the AFC title game and hoisting trophies. I'm done with it. So we need Lamar Jackson and Jared Goff. Give me Baltimore. Give me Detroit. Baltimore will probably whip up on them. There's your there's your Super Bowl prediction. So, all right. Okay. All right. In closing, you know, we've got a producer named AB, and she's been she's been talking to me a little bit about having guests. She thinks it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. We could have concussion experts on. I could have a mega mega Republican on, and we literally could uh, we we could prove to each other how much we have in common. So I think guests are important. I've told you. The official fighter of Nick the American is David Benavides. It would be an absolute dream come true for me to be here in a split screen and David Benavides and me talking about his past fights, what he's got coming up in future fights, how anything and everything and all, all the above. So I'm really looking at bringing in some guests. And uh, I just wanted to close with that. Yeah. But uh, we might be off. I don't know. In 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 the coming weeks, I think we maybe we might do one more show. I'm not sure. But uh, if I don't talk to you for a while, it's not because I don't love you. It's not because I don't love you. Find your angle in life. Find your angle with your kids. Find your angle with your relationships. Find your angle as a member of this team we call the United States of America, and then uh, perfect that angle. Make it strong. Right? All right. It's uh, the 24th. I don't know when this will post. Who gives a shit? But I really thank you for listening. Keep the comments up. Keep the comments up. Keep the insults up. I will not. I will not fight. I will not fight. I will only be sweet. I promise. It's Nick the American. Episode 36. Goodbye. Goodbye.